1: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park.
0: Hello everybody and welcome to the next of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Carl O'Neill, joined today by a full house of guests, Chris Beasley, Joe Thomas and Gal Buckland, as we look back on a very interesting and wide-ranging of emotional weekends, I think it's safe to say, after Everton scores in the 99th minute against Wolves to rescue a point at Molyneux before watching David Moyes' West Ham side come from behind to beat Leeds Leicester 3-1 to London Stadium. It means the Blues, as we recall on this Monday morning, remain outside the Boston Free, with Newcastle set to host Leicester City at St. James's Park tonight. Chris, you and Joe were obviously at. Yeah. Molyneux on Saturday. Yeah. For a rather interesting contest, I think yeah. it's safe to say. What initial feelings have you got as you sit here right now this minute
1: well we were just saying just before we went on air obviously the way it finished it, went, it was in, it was incredible really yeah Everton hadn't looked like scored it as have happened in so many games this season it was a promising first half an hour but decent goal out of nowhere I said to Joe on the train back how many times have we said, said the season he said oh, I've mentioned that in my verdict that the, the ball been up one end of the pitch Everton lose it cheaply then within seconds it's down the other end so, Sean Dyche mentioned in his, his press conference as well, the fact that he didn't take the foul where there was an opportunity to do so. Well, after he fell behind, players out of position, which was the, from the start anyway, got worse with the injuries. Patson going off, Calum going off, more players out of position. Just didn't look to score in second half, tried various things. And then those nine minutes, had their done. And right at the end of those those nine minutes, three centre-backs somehow <laughs> combined in the, in the opposition's sends it uh, at the opposition six-yard box, and, you know, Tarkovsky flicks it down. Michael Keane, who have been going forward quite regularly, knocked it across, and you know, mean pokes home from from close range. And, and it's a massive difference. And in terms of it being the one point or the zero points, it's not, that's probably not a huge difference. I guess what the huge difference is, is for Everton's morale mm. going into that fa- that final game of the season. As Like you said, as we speak, got everything crossed, but Leicester City... Don't get a victory at St. James's Park because Everton are in trouble. Then we'll discuss that. But as long as that doesn't happen, it's going to be in Everton's hands now going into that last, last game of the season. And after what has been a wretched season, the worst you know in Everton's history, we can go on to that. But um, to be in that position where it could be in your own hands going into the last game of the season, I guess we would have all taken that a few weeks ago.
0: Joe, one of the many, many challenging aspects of your role, is writing live, obviously writing as the game unfolds, and, and being in a position to file a lot of words as close to the final whistle as possible. One word that was journalist or hate and dread is the word rewrite. Well, on Saturday afternoon, I suspect that was a lot of glorious rewrite that you you were forced to have to Yeri Mina hold trunks in the air, the 99th minute.
2: Yeah, I think it was the um, the latest that i would ever filed a file the match report. To be honest, the know, but, you know, longest period after a game because. It was a dramatic rewrite, absolutely, because I think things were looking so grim for from the moment that probably from the moment that Nathan Patterson went off injured, up until the ninety eighth and a half minute, it was um, yeah it was quite frankly horrible, and and yeah my my match report was I, I, I can't quite remember where it was going, but it was obviously very gloomy. It was basically all along the lines of Everton's fate no longer resting in their own hands, and then that was. True to a degree, even after Mina's mean, his obviously obviously had Leeds gone and, and won yesterday. Um, and you know, had Leeds gone and won yesterday, then then if Leicester were to go and win tonight, then obviously, you're relying to rely on other scorelines and other teams on the last day of the season. But yeah, it just changed everything that goal. And like Chris says, the momentum was so dramatic, and you just think it's probably one of the you know, one of the positive signs of of going first for the relegation battlers of the weekend, like. I imagine you can imagine the Leeds faithful and the Leicester faithful just watching that and thinking, "Well, you know, Everton, we've got a real boost here and losing a team that should be on the beach." And um, in the end, yeah, obviously you only beat a point, but yeah, it's a dramatic momentum shift. I think that is obviously it didn't hold Leeds back to the extent where they went one lap at West Ham, so everything there's a hangover on that respect, but. I still would have would have heard their preparations a little bit, and obviously in context now it looks like a very valuable goal and an important point. Um, so hopefully that will be the case. But yeah, I, I went down after the final whistle. I went down to the tunnel at Molineux. Um It was quite interesting being there actually because normally by the time you get down there, all the players are in, and you know you're only seeing bits and pieces as they kind of come out towards the coaches. But we held their had the season player awards on the pitch after. The final whistle is a really surreal kind of experience because they have the the Wolves players getting all their awards. You know, the first team, the the youth teams, the uh, the women's teams. But all you can hear is the Everton fans that stayed late, still celebrating the goals. So, so you got the Wolves end of season awards being uh, taking place to the backdrop of, of spirit of the Blues, and it was just a bit a bit surreal. But because of that, being in, the tunnel was just so busy, it was just really interesting watching everybody as he came and went after that final was yes. I spoke to James Tarkovsky. It was interesting Connor Cody, for instance, just obviously there back of walls, ineligible to face his parent club, but clear that there's a lot of people that hold him in, you know, a lot of respect there. You know, people lining up to shake his hand and, and catch up with him, um, you know, after the game. So that was quite interesting. But but yeah, it was a it was a, a massive rewrite and it was just one of those games where to be honest, you're just grateful that, you know, it's happened at three o'clock on a Saturday and you know, it's not. You know, it's not ten o'clock on a Sunday night. And you've only got an hour before the uh, the you know, the paper goes to print or, or, or whatever. So, um, so yeah. But I take that. I take that in the circumstances. I take the uh, the blows to my body that Chris Beasley uh, yeah. inflicted upon me as he celebrated on the final whistle, but had to try and keep it as, as locked down as possible so as not to break the uh, the press code rule of not celebrating goals, uh, and then the rewrite that followed. You, you, you take it given uh, given the circumstances in which it was necessary.
0: Gav, I take it the thoughts of yourself were very different on 98 minutes to what they were on 99 minutes on Saturday when that ball
3: hit in the back of, back of the net. Well, I think they've still got the same thoughts, to be honest with you. Yeah. Before I go on, by the way, I was in Laugh Lane on Saturday night and this lad on the next table goes, I recognise your voice from the Royal Blue podcast. And it's not right, said nice that- he said oh yeah, how much, he enjoyed it, you know, and so Luke, I said to give you the shout out. So there, there you go. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the compliments. I, I, I still feel the same now. In, in some respects, that that goal doesn't really change my thoughts really um, about both. I, I thought we spoke we've spoken a lot about team selection. Did me we, last week, and the, the 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 general consensus on on the podcast is that we didn't want to see McNeil play left back because it, you know, robs us of our most potent attacking. Um both in terms of goal scores, scored and creativity. And so it was disappointing to see him left back when uh still should have been the best option for me. And what it did, which is probably not not as unforeseen as the whole midfield. Balance was completely wrong. We ended up make to play McNeil at left back. It, you know, man, we have to make the the changes in the midfield, you yeah. had Garner, who's, center, who's probably been our best centre midfielder over the past two or three games, playing right wing. You know, it's a Wolby who either plays through the middle or plays on the right, playing a left wing. And then, because he, he and actually goes into the middle of the pitch, you had this ridiculous, you know, on occasions where Anana, Takore, Wolby, Garner, Guy, were all, all sort of like in the same source of space. And so that, that one positional change caused so much disruption for the rest of the team. It wasn't worth it in terms of the benefits we got from playing McNeil at left-back. And I thought that was poor from Dice. And I thought some of his substitutions, which we may talk about, were also poor. And my feeling at the end is it. We, not not Dice's best day in the uh, dugout. And, and we got away with one well, to a degree, uh, as it, you know, at the end. And I don't know I was relieved, but I just thought, yeah, I was... We've not done great there in the circumstances because, let's face it, a, a decent effort performance would have been probably enough to win that game because I think Wolves were only, you know, they were half on the beach, as they say. So, yeah, definitely a bit of relief at the end, Connor, but I'm still not... That doesn't really forgive the, the way the game was managed over the previous 98, 98 minutes.
0: He's Gav leads us on quite nicely there because one of my next plugs was... Sean Dyche's selection. Yeah. He start a lineup and then obviously going to a substitute. But, talking to one of my friends on Saturday evening, mm-hmm. no true the fact as always, after the game, he says Sean Dyche was a lucky man there because he was left far from impressed by what he'd seen from the Everton Boston but he got away with one. Do you think he was a lucky, do you think he would leave more a bit lucky there bees after what we
1: saw? Yeah, but was very on sean Dyche-like and what we've seen Sean Dyche and that he, he does seem to Um, it's also been a criticism at times that he's he's, he's maybe not um, tinkered enough or changed enough that he sort of sticks with with what he knows in the minimum amount of changes and as Gav points out there rather than put Holgate in yeah Holgate had struggled the previous week but it was Manchester City potentially the best team in the world (laughs) rather than just put Holgate in at at, at left back again to put McNeil but it was a double blow because yeah um, Everton lost um, all the it, it, new offers going forward, which has been so much in recent weeks. And like, as Gav said, that you all the changes that that facilitates and in, in, in putting them back there. I think that everyone was trying to work out when the team sheet dropped, just what the, the formation was going to be. Some of the local journalists were, were talking to Joe and I and some fella gone on the Echo website said, well, Liberal Echo says this. And we were like, well, we are the Liberal Echo. That's us <laughs> who's just said that. Uh, uh, BBC had Everton had lining up. Three six one or something like that, and yeah. but yeah, so we were all sort of scratching our heads how, how it was going to be. So yeah, as, as, I suppose he he, he does have under one um Um, it was always going to be a tough ask, as much as we say, you know, Everton been so poor this season, Everton have been so poor on the road. So actually, to expect a team who's only won two away games all season to win back to back games, even if Wolves are and you know, quote unquote, on on the beach. Um, especially once they get the their noses in front. I've got I think we've got to look to the positives in, in that respect. Yeah, if Everton had won, it would have made it a lot more straightforward. But now this team's been so so poor. We can't, we can't expect them to just go and win in any uh, uh, away game. And then that's you nailed know, to a point last night when I was doing the, the talking point piece. You now, for the first time in, in Everton's history, we're using the three points of the, the, the win um, system, which has been used since 81. Everton are going to finish with fewer points than games played and, and now that's the sort of a measure how thing how bad things are, have been at Everton this the season so on the one hand yeah he, he probably did get away with it there was some sort of questionable tactical decisions and a lot of people out of position but i'm not too sure how we can be in a position where we expect everton to win any away game no matter what what the stakes are joe do you think the uh, enormous you know that the how big the game was picked up and
0: what was expected, everyone knew that this, you know, they game; and they probably couldn't afford to lose and stuff like that. Do you think that almost played into the thinking of Sean over overcomplicating things? Because, like Gavin um, and Chris have already alluded to, c- confusion was there two minutes past two in the team. She dropped, and by 98 minutes, well, even a full time, yeah. confusion still rang because people weren't quite sure what they just witnessed in terms of, you know, I saw one tweet in the second half, they say, This is just 11 plays on the pitch, there's no. There's no formation, he's just 11 players on the pitch. Do you think the enormity of the task on Saturday, I mean, instead of Sean over overcomplicating things a little bit?
2: I don't think I do, to be honest. I think sometimes... I, don't, I mean, I think I think the, the the state of the side on the final whistle was understandable. Obviously, it was a mess in terms of who was on the pitch and when they were playing. But given the fact that Emman came into that game... With so many injuries, and by you know, half time they'd lost Nathan Patterson, their only fit first team fullback, um, and then Dominic Calvert Lewin, pretty much their only trusted first team striker. You know you can understand why it was just it was just chaos by by the end. But yeah, the, the start of the lineup confused me for the same reasons that, that have already been mentioned. It's interesting because you know Sean Dyche speaking before the game said he picked the side that he wanted. That he set out to win the game, um, and I don't really understand. Is I don't understand the logic in that because I think if you're going to win the game, I think he would have just. I know he struggled there, but I think I'd have just played all games at, at left back. Kept Dwight O'Neill, the most effective attacking player that Everton have had in recent weeks in position. Kept Dobie in position. Kept Garner in position, and just changed as little as possible. Um, uh, but once he once he did what he did um, once he made the decision to play McNeil at left back, what really confused me, I suppose it might be telling for whatever happens in the summer is why Damari Gray wasn't involved You, know, I don't really understand the logic of bringing in Onana, putting Wobi out of position putting Garner out of position when really you could have solved all those problems but you know, Damari Gray has spent most of his career playing on the left wing or I, I get that there'd be an issue in the sense of um yeah there'd be a fear of treyori targeting mcneil down the left but these are kind of the yeah this was a game in which dice had no choice but to take a risk so really you try and just load the chances in your favor don't you and you know if you could have kept um you, know, if you could have kept mcneil on the left sorry, so he ideally they'd have kept me on left midfield, but once he's put Manila at left back, he could have just put Garner, he's got one wing, he can keep a Wobey in position on the right, he can keep Garner in position where he's done so well in the middle. And he's changing a lot less then, isn't he? And it's, it's far less of a, of a thing forever to the players to try and get their head round because yeah, there's a lot more of a consistency, something that he, he values. I, I think sometimes, you know, let, let's get like, let's get this straight. If, if if Evans stay up, Sean Dyche has done a very good job. That that is a success, uh, and he deserves credit for it. He picked up a side in a relegation spiral with a squad that probably isn't really good enough to stay in the Premier League. And on top of that, he's been hit with been recent suspensions. Bevan stay up; he, he's done very well. But I think sometimes he perhaps almost overthinks things. Some you yeah, know, or perhaps maybe even has a almost slightly higher opinion of uh, of, of, of of his tactical now than than maybe. Um, that maybe is warranted, or, or maybe maybe he's cleverer than the squad that he's got can can operate at. Because you know it was a it was, it was a bit of a mess. You know when the team like Chris says when the team came out, we had no idea what he was doing. And and to be honest, when the game started, I think it felt like that. And and Everton were under the cosh for the first ten minutes of the first half. You know, understandably, Walls targeted McNeil on the left. Everton struggled to deal. There a few good crosses went in. Luckily, they didn't get punished. And then, yeah, by by half an hour, Everton were just starting to get on top. So, yeah, you know, that trajectory may well have continued had Patterson not gone in, off injured, had you know Traore not scored that breakaway goal, had Carvalho not got off injured. But yeah, you know, Everton just in general got away with one, I think, on on, on Saturday because once that goal went in, and the goal that should have been conceded, just like I wrote in my match report. Yeah, you know, so and so many times this season, Aston Villa on the second day of the season to Anfield a couple of weeks ago. You know, how many times have we seen an opposition player pick up the ball 30 yards from their own goal and just do real damage through the middle of Everton's midfield? And 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 once again, you just see the lack of, it's un- unpalatable to say it, but just a lack of intelligence. You can call it cynicism, but just, just take Traore out on the halfway line, take a book in. you know, just do it. You know, she the chance before it becomes a golden opportunity. And you know, unfortunately, Everton yeah, didn't do that. And, and, you know, that nearly cost them the game. Yeah, and then the beginning of the second half, really, Wolves could have scored two or three. And I think one thing that's gone, one thing that hasn't been mentioned a lot, but I think we may well come back to at the end of the season if Everton do stay up, particularly that if it's that point, that goal that saves them, Pickford made a save at one on one in about the 95th minute. I think it was Nunes that was through one on one on goal, and you know you could understand almost it felt almost as he went in. I think in the stadium it felt like an inevitability that he was going to score because it was almost like why would Pickford even put up a fight here? You know, this game's gone. Out to blow the whistle, it's it's happening, and you know Pickford stuck a toe out, sent it out for a corner, and that had gone in obviously. Emin don't get the point. You don't get the momentum and. And, and that, you know, once again, it could be a case of Jordan Pickford's, you know, just being absolutely integral to to anything good that this Evans side does. But, yeah, to answer the question, I was confused by the tactics at the start. Don't think he got it right. Did get away with one. Um, but we take it. We take it.
0: Gav, do you almost think Shaladay's should coming under a little bit of scrutiny from supporters because, you know, you look on social media, you know, Obviously, you know we should always judge it on social media after games but look up social media after games on, on, on Saturday there's a lot of fans kind of questioning Sean Dyche's tactics you know like what we just discussed there and this isn't the first time in recent weeks we've seen fans kind of left a little bit confused a little bit perplexed by what they're seeing from, from the Everton Bosh you think he's always coming in for a bit of scrutiny, scrutiny and obviously you know, the season's only got one game but next season the pressure really will be on because fans just won't be more accept what they're seeing they'll want a clear indication of how the team's going to play
3: yeah, oh, absolutely, and, and I think it's fully deserved as Joe alluded to there. I think we've spoken about some baffling decisions up top. You know, the omission of Damari Gray when he should have played, the long term omission of Yerry Mina, some of his in game changes on Saturday, bringing Michael Keane on as a right back, uh, having refused to play him a centre half when Holgate was probably the best option. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 as I say, I think. There has been a you know, has been a series that like, over the last few games that and and that we've got it's got away with. At the same time, as Joe was saying, you know, he's had suspensions, injuries, so that's been putting sticking plasters over the team, you know, in a lot of areas. So I think that, that, that also needs to be taken into account. But yeah, I think that's where it was talking about well, kind of when I said it was I like, have to a ninety-nine minister rather than ninety eight, a little bit because it's the implications of that performance and the thinking behind it about for the long term going into next season, about when there's more pressure, there probably won't be the extra, you know, God knows how much of what we've got to spend during the summer. There may be a similar uh, summer last year. We've only got limited resources and you've had more time to prepare the players. You know, is Dice smart enough and flexible enough to set the team out over a 38-game season? And I think there's a few people concerned about that. And I think that's rightly so. Because what I've, what I've seen so far, notwithstanding, uh, you know, the, the sort of, you know, the issues he's had to manage, uh, I, you know, that's still in an unproven proven categories for me. I know, would be, I think if we stay up, I think that's been a good achievement. But we're still only the in this at points a game, is it something like that? Simply being wrong, yeah. Let's basically stay up. It's because of the inadequacies of the, the other teams. Isn't it really below us? And as Chris said, it's going to be like our worst points performance season ever, probably. And that does raise questions for next year. And uh, you, know, I think Dice has definitely got to show himself to be a little bit more uh, imaginative, and you know, and you know, like say on Saturday, you know, like think about it, think about the wider implications of selecting McNeely left back have decided not to but play Holgate as the left back because in a poor game he allowed the whole shape of the team to be disrupted and he, and that's the type of thing you need to avoid in, in future but be, be, be a bit more flexible with what you're thinking as well so yeah and, quite, and fans are saying that and I think that, that's a fair shout even if he does keep us up I still think there's question marks Do you
0: know, I think it goes well have just, just to stay honest because obviously you know what you're saying there in terms of injuries and suspensions obviously there's nothing you can do about them in some respects but some of the decisions he's made off the back of them incidents or them injuries have been his own making. You know, you look at like DeCorey being sent off against Tottenham, you know, he could have gone like for like, or we that Man United, no issue. But then he completely changed the formation to four four two and tries to do something totally different. I think although he's had issues to contend with, a lot of the, the kinds of questions that have come up have been from his own making more than more than actually the issues and suspension and injuries.
3: Absolutely. And then, you know, exacerbated the decision of Man United by doing exactly the same, you know, a, a, something that you think he scrapped at half time and started the Fulham game exactly the same manner. <laughs> and then changed it after, what, 25 minutes, 30 minutes when the game had sort of gone by then and, and we had got a, a damaging home defeat. So it's that type of stuff. It's, it's like, I, I mean, mean Mina has made an enormous difference to us, hasn't he the last two or three games. He scored on Saturday. He's quite clearly, you know, <laughs> what we've seen, he's quite clearly our best centre-half. But he's been sat on the bench and nowhere near the team for, what, 15, 16, 17 games on the dice? When he's been fit? Well, that's... <laughs> I don't I don't really understand that. And and I think he has been loyal to some players. And whilst at the same time, not have given other players who deserve an opportunity, not giving them a chance. So, yeah. I think, but he's, me. it's a bit of a funny way time to manage. So I'll judge him more more next season. But from what i am seeing this season, I think I think people are right to say, you know, put a few question marks against us, you know, statable and team selection. Acumen. He's, there was one
0: real concern yeah. for him. So he's obviously needs to pass the goals off, which yeah. was far from ideal and far from plan. But just before half time, was on a cover, he looks to get him behind. Mm. All of a sudden stops, appears to hold something. For I suspect the groin that he the yeah. that he picked up the injury throwing into the City. He's lying on the floor and you see the I was obviously watching the home, you see the physio indicator make a change and yeah. you start thinking, Oh, this could be one of
1: these days. Yeah. Not what Everton needed right now this minute, was it? No, because as we said that she played Deitchi's first game went off after an hour and he was all the way out, it wasn't he, for almost three months of crystal bowers and uh, he started the last half a dozen games, and although his only goal has come from the penalty spot, we all can see, can't we? Completely yeah. changes the way Everton attack the way Everton look at, his, his, team his, in general. Yeah, yeah. Just the way he brings everyone else in there, he's yeah. able to lead the line in a in a manner that none of the other strikers are. It all goes back, I guess, to um, January and well, last summer and January again, yeah, because they brought in Neil Mopey, who's anything but a like-for-like replacement, but. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I mean, he's been failed by Everton, and so he got one one goal all season. low pay. you know, he wasn't prolific in the Premier League, but you know, playing within that right system, he was always he was always decent. So, yeah, it's it's, it's a massive concern. Di um, said that to me after the game, and he was obviously suspected hamstring for both players, and um, Calvert-Lewin and Patson, probably. He wouldn't have known yesterday. He was, he was saying today might be when they settle down. and mm. perhaps have a, a better idea. So whether we're hearing anything or not over the next 24 hours, I don't know. But yeah, you just got to hope. If there's any way... You can't be totally reckless about people's bodies, but if there's any way Dominic Calvert-Lewin can play against Bournemouth, surely he, he has to do. And, and if he can't, then there's a big issue there because whoever comes in, whether that be Mopey Gray, at least there's no like for like replacement is there so yeah it, 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 it's it's like a nightmare really you know he it was seen to be vindicated to be justified keeping him out for so long to get him right which kind of looked but you know at first but these last couple of games now it's easier to go off early half time then just before half time both of them and yeah it, it, it's got to it, be the biggest concern within the camp going into to uh, the Bournemouth game because you hope we will be fit to return at left back and even if unfortunately Patson can't feature, at least you've got Mason Olgate who can play right back. Probably, a lot or sure, that, yeah. Man. And I'm not too sure what position might been ending up playing at, 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 the, at the weekend. Started off right back, then he's, uh, he's mostly centre forward. Uh, maybe, maybe that's the shelf. I don't know. I think his best contribution for think you know, against pass But yeah, yeah, because we if Calvin Lumen can't can't feature then, and we one to discuss later in the week, and maybe you know more there yeah there's, there is no like for like replacement you just hope that he's there for whenever and really need him
0: I think the worry joke on Saturday when Calvert-Lumanoff was no you know Everton had, had, had done okay but I mean he's had a couple of chances himself he'd had two peddlers and, and a shot which hit the side net and but being, you know generally looked like they were doing okay but in second half we saw the kind of Everton that we've become so used to this season but obviously around Calvert-Lumanoff where they looked a little bit lacking ideas didn't have a focal point up top and and it was a bit of a stark reminder, wasn't it, of, you know, come this Sunday, I you know we'll will, we will get into it on, on Friday's pub, but come this Sunday, there'll be big concerns and big worries if Dominic Calvert-Lewin's not leading the line because Everton, although they do have options, don't have options good enough to replace Calvert-Lewin.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's probably no more damning indictment of the, the failures at the club than the idea that, you know, in the final minutes of a game, which is potentially crucial to their Premier League survival, you end up with an attacker spearheaded by Michael Keane. And, um, you know, and we know that Michael Keane is good in the box and several a players have have told me that he's among the best finishers in training and things like that, but it's not really a laughing matter at the end of the day. And obviously that's probably more a conversation for for this time next week, how whatever the context of of, of, of that is. But you know, Calvin, yeah, is a huge blow. I mean, just go back to the Deitch thing. Obviously, on the tactics, there have been a lot of tackling tactics amid some of the, the yeah the the results that have got Everton's position where things could still be in their own hands. One thing I would say is that he's only really gone slightly off piste when he's been forced into changes. I think what then it is there is there is a clear first eleven there and and a, a setup. There is a cl- he has brought a clarity of approach to an Everton side when it's he's the squad is fully fit. Obviously the problem comes with the lack of depth so that when he loses someone like the Corey or Calvert Lewin or Mikalenko, or not just obviously the fullback situation I the minute's that the Godfrey, Coleman, and albeit he's used so sparingly that it's another kind of confusion. um another big question mark over what went into the planning for him in the season, but Ruben Venagra, yeah, there there are four better options than McNeil, Holgate at um, mm.
3: uh,
2: uh, uh, left back there that they're all injured unfortunately but hopefully Michelangelo will be back um, but yeah, no, you're completely right, I think that is the fear that's probably the fear going into Saturday because I think all things considered you you ever go into that big favourites but and we probably know this more than the outsider. I think. I think you know. If you're if you're a casual football fan and you support someone else, I think you are just assuming and Everton are going to win that. A lot of people just haven't seen how bad Everton are. Like they're just not and not very good. And even you know, with the exception of Brighton, which was you know, what, and and perhaps Arsenal, which are both wonderful performances. You know, the, the better results kind of have been. You know, a bit frantic and a bit chaotic, and it's just almost been a bit more willpower and mentality and desire that's got them got them over the finish line. So you know, even when Everton's Spurs team are out, it's still not as effective as it should be. Um, and it's a case of who's going to be injured and what what's the knock-on effect going to be on on, on Saturday because obviously Calvert Lewin isn't fit, then that's a big issue. Um, and then also if, you know, Mikolenko's not fit, that's a big issue. Everton start yeah you know, especially if Patterson's out as well like you know, we discussed this like you know, we had a rare degree of foresight last week when we talked about just how much more severe Mikalenko's absence is than we perhaps would have sort of anticipated it being a couple of weeks ago um it just had a, a devastation effect on the lineup and like we've just said Deitch went a little bit more rogue than i think any of us anticipated and he has to take some responsibility for that if, if Mikulenko isn't fit, or even if Mikulenko is fit, Patterson isn't fit, then we're we're almost back in that situation again on on Saturday, and that's worrying. I think you know it's the lack of the lack of ideas on on Saturday. I think yeah, for for most of that second half, Evans didn't look like scoring. That's not saying they weren't trying; they just didn't look like scoring against a team that you know every time a player came off, it was clear it was the last game of the, of the season. You know, you got the Free start free sides of of gold underneath the sunshine, just clapping them off, and the players, you know, slowly walking off, taking the applause. Um, you know, Neves went off, and it looked pretty likely that that might have been his farewell, because it seemed it seemed like a farewell. And even amid those scenes where you've got Wolves side that are making all those changes, that are thinking about the end of the season. They're still they were still a better side. Still creating the better chances. It could have been two or three nil before it got to stoppage time. We've already mentioned the the, the chance that Wolves did have in in stoppage time, um, and you know, in the end, Everton got away with it. But I think that's the problem. I think yeah, you, know, you you would like to think with Effenders on the line and with the Goodison crowd behind them that yeah you know, they'll be able to you know get get the win that will keep them up on Saturday on Sunday. Sorry, um, regardless of who's playing, but. I think that's probably going to be the thing that's lurking in the back of all of my mind. The fact that this, this is an effort side that even when it's got its best team out there, just really, really struggle to break teams down. And I think if we get to half an hour on Sunday and it's nil-nil, it, it could start to get a little bit nervous because I think then the, you know, the players might start to feel it as well, especially if the goal went in elsewhere to put pressure on. It's not a situation I'd like to be in. So... Hopefully, Cal but lewins back bit, like Chris says. I think this is one of those occasions where, for all the, the caution that's been exercised from under Deitch, I think Deitch deserves credit for... I feel like I'm giving Deitch a lot more credit than I, mean, I feel like I'm being a spokesperson today, but, um, he, you know, obviously, he, he has had, had patience with him. It did pay off to a certain extent, but I think this is the time where you throw caution to the wind and that's not to say sacrifice a young man's body or anything like that. If, there's a, if he's 75% fit plus the value of what he brings at Everton side is just so huge. I don't think they could afford to not have him on the pitch. Particularly given I just yeah, there's been a few indications. The last two games have been quite quite peculiar in the sense that it felt whilst calvert Calvallon was out, Damari Gray was the last option up front that each turned, to you went through Sims versus any went through Mopai. Then he finally got to Grey, and Grey was the most effective. He yeah, played really well at Forest, did all right at Chelsea. Um, but he seems to have reverted away from that again. Yeah, Man City second half, it was Mope that came on. Uh, and then even at the, at the weekend, obviously, he didn't trust Grey to put well, didn't want to put Grey in the starting lineup for whatever reason. Um, and I think, I think, uh, was it Mope come on first at, at the weekend as well? Right. Good, great come on for calvert it, yeah. it was great for calvert So So maybe, maybe he has got over that. But I mean, I just hope uh, the, the more players are a fit, the the less opportunity there is for, for Deitch to kind of do something mad. <laughs> and, and like we discussed, some of the madder calls haven't really worked. Um, so let's just hope that Dominic calvert is fit. And ideally, that Michelangelo and Patterson are on the pitch as well. And If they are, I think they're a, a massive favourites. If not, then all of a sudden it becomes a
0: little bit more tricky there's probably never a good time for any team to be picking up injuries you know let alone but it does feel like Everton have literally got the worst points in the season to start picking up injuries, you think of Mikalenko, you know 10 minutes before the end of a training session Carve up there in last week seemingly to have gamble on this week, it didn't work out Patterson pretty innocuous if I'm being honest looked like a bit of a you know, coming together, nothing more limps off it just, just feels that like, at the worst possible time, Everton's lookers come coming at the worst possible time, essentially.
3: Well, <laughs> yeah, patterson has been... They've both been out for as long as anything. Yeah, Paterson's just been in and out of the team, and Coleman's obviously had the injuries, yeah. Yeah, and, and that could be managed, and I, I think it probably would have affected us more on Saturday because it was in-game stuff, whereas notwithstanding what we're saying about Dice's team selection we've got more of an opportunity to think about things for this uh, the game against Bournemouth so I'm, I'm okay about the Bournemouth game in terms of injuries because I think we can manage them better uh, I'd I, I really would like to see uh, Carver-Lewin up top and I the the sense that even if he's 60-70% it's worth throwing on um, but I don't know we should, have we seen I'm just trying to think of his injury record when, when he's gone down injured, he doesn't seem to come back the next game, does he? I think over the last couple of years, he then tends to be out. So when I saw that on Saturday, you're thinking, well, I'm not so sure about next week now. So but
2: that just, not, just, to, just to jump in on there, obviously, the, the, the one time when he has come straight back was, was Saturday because he came off with the groin issue against yeah. City Park. But, but I mean, for all we know, he might have only been 75% from that. He might already have been, you know.
3: Yeah. So, so, so what we know is, if he goes down injured during the game, he's injured. It's yeah. not. It's not. It's not. It's not going to be like, a course, I'm going to come back next week fully fit. We do. What we do now yeah. is, it, it. He has a, a game, a couple of games, gets injured, and then a period of the time out. I mean, I think if, if he probably played on Saturday, with if it been at the start of the season, he might might not have played played them. To be honest but yeah, as as it pans out, yeah, I, I think we're okay. It can't for the weekend in terms of even if Calvin Lewin is injured, I think that could be managed. And it also depends what we need from the game as well, doesn't it? As well, perhaps, but um, we can talk about it later in the week. Yeah, it affected us on Saturday, but I'm okay about it for the weekend. To be honest with you,
0: Chris. No sooner had the full-time muscle blown than <laughs> that on Saturday afternoon, and uh, I think Saturday, everyone calmed down and you know be composed of thoughts and stuff. Thoughts quickly turned to the London Stadium yeah. on Sunday afternoon as West Ham United welcomed Leeds United. And with West Ham United, would have took them off the Boston three really, and really put the pressure on Everton then, going into the final day. Last week, you obviously enjoyed, enjoyed a well in day off. Last Friday, when we, meet John and on the pod. Yeah. All three of us were a little bit concerned at the West Ham celebrations, following the win over yeah. brains at Alkmaar. And there was a few, few crates of beer doing, doing, doing the rounds and, yeah. you know, a few... Uh, party trays of, of food, bad looks, and things look like it was a bit of a carnival party. Yeah, a few, few concerns. But well, come yesterday evening, so all we were all concerned about. Huh.
1: Wow, you say that, don't you? I was saying that about 18 minutes in when uh, Rodrigo smashed that volley into the, uh, the back of the West Ham net. Uh, yeah, I mean, we it's a, it's a deep again. I mean, that's amazing. So debilitating is I mean, Not only you're kicking every ball for Everton, and then... It's all these other permutations. I mean, we've got to get through tonight. Yeah, I mean, fingers crossed on on that one. But um, yeah, it was, it, I mean, no, you you said to me you, you were fearing Leeds were going to win both of the last two games, and you felt that Wolves was an opportunity lost. Thankfully, that's not been well been the case now. Big Sam has proven to be the big bogeyman man that um, he perhaps um, threatened to be when he came in at Leeds United. He's not won a game yet, as he lost at City. They 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 had the draw at home in Newcastle. Now they've, they've they've lost at West Ham United. I mean, he could still win a game now, but it might be too late for them. Um, yeah, it, it was it was concerning when when leads when ahead. But to be fair to West Ham, fair to David Moyes, you know, we've all we've always uh, got good words to say for for Davey. Um, that um, yeah, he he, he he didn't just like throw in the the resi's, I suppose, like he did it Brentford the week before. I mean, he made six changes, but it was still a strong West Ham side and still had more than enough to, to finish Leeds off although I, I, I was shouting at the telly I wanted West Ham to get another one at the end for the goal difference um, when he had the chance there uh, was it um, was it Piquetta and um, he tried to square it to Rice or something like that they yeah trying to score the perfect goal but yeah they, they got got there in the end but yeah another nerve-wracking afternoon but thankfully you know it remains in Everton's hands and we need that to be the case uh, come, come tomorrow morning after as long as uh, Leicester City have them Full off a shock victory at St James's Park. Joe, is it following the fortunes of Everton
0: isn't tough enough right now this minute from I mean, the whole range of emotions I think Blue Sports have felt over these last few months? Following other the teams <laughs> <laughs> it should be <laughs> following Everton, isn't it? Because I don't know about, you know, you lads, but sadly someone watching that yesterday was was kicking every ball and you kinda of sat, sat there and thinking
1: it's not even my team playing here you? and you're still emotionally en- engrossed and yeah, it was just sorry. Just before Joe says anything, uh, one Everton player, former Everton player, texted me yesterday morning and claimed he did jelly deals for breakfast. All right. I, 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 I How <laughs> <laughs> do you follow that, Joe? <laughs> trying to work out the relevance, to be honest. Well, because he was uh, he was wearing his West. It was very much a uh, West Ham. Oh, I say, I yeah. see. Yeah,
0: but. Uh, I don't want to be my for his breakfast, but was probably oh, wow.
2: still at famous Clarett blue. Well, maybe, well, maybe, was- maybe if Everton stay out, we should try that delicacy when uh, yeah. we're down the next season. It's,
0: but i join You know, it's just, it's a sign, isn't it, of how, how, how you know, frantic and how desperate things have become when you're, frantically training on other teams in the Premier League to do you a favour.
2: Yeah, it is absolutely. I think again, this is a conversation. Whatever happens, this is a conversation probably for for next week, and I think it's probably important for anyone that that is listening. I think that you know the the initial aftermath of whatever happens on Sunday will be all about the you know what's happened on the pitch and the implications, but. Like, there will be plenty of reckoning after that. Uh, uh, back at, however, it ended up in a situation where, for a second season in a row, this is the case. And obviously, this season, even worse, because it's now going to the last game of the season. But yeah, it's, I mean, we can kind of like joke about it all we want, but it's it's half oh, my deal. It's horrible, really, isn't it? I mean, I've kind of got myself into a position here where all of a sudden, I've, despite evidence of weeks and weeks of evidence to the contrary, I'm now seeing a lot more demons in that Leicester side than, 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 than have been visible. For, I mean, I was convinced they were going to beat Liverpool last week and then I watched that and was reassured by just how appallingly bad they were. Um, just got to hope that they do the same again tonight and hopefully that, I mean, it scares me a little bit because obviously what the Leicester do have, probably more than anybody else I have allegation about, this. I do have players of individual quality that can't just produce a, a, a match-winning moment I have nothing in the Premier League. Uh, we saw Tieleman's skull at the Goodison Park, didn't we, in yeah you know, on Friday night when they came and did a number on Everton then. Um but hopefully Newcastle should I mean if, if you if you approach it logically, you would think that a Newcastle team that's got nothing else, you know, no finals or anything to look forward to. Last opportunity to play in front of uh, St. James's crowd after their best season in in decades and yeah, you know, going you think they'd want to give their give their team, give their fans, um, you know, something to cheer when, you know, especially, you know, when would guarantee them top four as well. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm seeing more demons than and is healthy, I think, to be honest. So hopefully get through the Leicester game. I mean, it makes me slightly uneasy that a draw keeps them in it. But, but really, if Leicester don't win and Efter doesn't win against Bournemouth and that's safe and keep, you can't ask for anything more than that, really. Not given the situation they've been in in the last few weeks and things like that. You just, at some point, Everton have to do the job themselves. And the right, they took a big step towards that, that goal when they won at Brighton, they took useful steps at Leicester. In the last-minute goal the other day, of course, it, it all helps. But I think Gav said in the opening minutes of this podcast, you know, about um, you know Everton almost. Relying on the failures of others, essentially, And that's it. If Evans stay up, really, it will be because three teams are worse than a bad team. I think, <laughs> rather than the, Everton having done anything particularly special to to have avoided the drop, especially as Chris says, with what well, even with a win will be their, their their lowest points tally in you know too long to remember. So, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully we get to Tuesday more. Hopefully we get to ten o'clock on Monday night tonight, and uh, everything. There's a lot of clarity, and it's all in Everton's favour.
0: Gav, you said last week that Everton fans and used to come one mastermind, and their favourite subject would be the Premier League we're in from about February to, to now. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, again, that was a little weekend of watching the table, watching other results. And tonight is going to be absolutely no difference as it is, Newcastle take on Leicester St James's Park. you going to have your black and white scarf on. <laughs>
3: yeah, what <laughs> watched need piece of our readers I ain't patting on that. We're not me, so that won't be anything out uh, of the yeah. for me. I mean, because we're not mentioning Forest, have we? No, because I mean, we're talking about Forest was still in it, and that was a massive blow when Forest won, was wasn't it on on Saturday evening because that, that was uh, nobody saw that coming. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy mean, you didn't... A... <laughs> I, I've, I've said a number of times over the weekend, i thought, you respect to Tottenham? You know what, Spurs are like that. You, you're in a dark place when you're lying on Spurs to do your favours, aren't you, really? Um, mm. But I think if you win on Sunday, I know there's just various combinations that can happen, but you think if you win on Sunday, that should should be enough. Um, and, um, yeah, but I will have me. Get me Linda records out and stuff and all that. I <laughs> But for the older older listener, um, on, on tonight, and that, I'll be I'll be there. And I think Newcastle did they? They they're a bit sketchy for twenty minutes against Brighton on Thursday, weren't they at two one. But I think Newcastle got a lot of firepower, and I think they'll be they'll be up there uh, for it, as they say. But I said before the pod started, didn't I? That you just get you wouldn't like to think there's one last. Crazy well, we'll in battle that's mm. that's what i'm feeling that's bit, but so hopefully not and um I, I, you know if you can't see, see see us at the moment there's there's a big like cross-shaped light above there uh, connor and chris and there uh, will all be will be playing to that i think <laughs> yeah that was a lot of time for the geordies love
1: the two yeah
0: <laughs> yes Bit of local hero for the town, only rivals like these. Aye,
1: yeah.
2: well Eddie Howe supports Everton as well. I think you were all baby, that day. Like I mean, yeah. you know, failed to beat Wolves, and then you got David Moyes, the ex-manager, and Eddie Howe,
0: the the, the blue supporter. And of course, David doing David, David Moyes back in next week as well, isn't he Because Leicester welcome welcome West Ham to the King Power the final day, so. Wherever you look, there's Everton all over this relegation battle, wherever you
3: look. It's quite blessed isn't it? It was the referee at the West Ham game, wasn't it? His dad had ever seen 2nd older or something. Who looking for that, just? Oh, I'll keep I am not saying, I'm just saying the bad statements was yeah. a fact. I mean, Joe Robles was in goal, wasn't he, for Leeds? Yeah, yeah. He was in the uh, back uh, and anyway. the when uh, that
1: equaliser went in, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, gents, I think we will leave it there. We will, of course, be back on Friday to preview Everton's huge game against Bournemouth on the final day of the Premier League season, look back on Sean Dyche's press conference, analyse the relegation picture after Newcastle take on Leicester City tonight. But for today, thank you very much for listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. Are we the (laughs) lads?
1: You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast
0: from the Liverpool Echo.